Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Float Jibbo. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> What's ding, 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 ding? It's got nothing to do. It sounds like a, are you, is that like a pinball machine? No, it's supposed to be a ship's bell. Ah, arr then, Captain. <laughs> I'm George Savados, and you are? Arr, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Brett Pattinson, everyone, the eternal joker. The eternal joker. Who do we have on today? Anastasia Adams. What do you know George. about her? I know that she's your cousin. Well, she's not, really. I mean... Oh, sorry, she's your wife's cousin. My wife's cousin, yes. And um, known her for about 20-odd years. And I also know that she has a business called Rise Women. Rise Women. Lucky it's not Rise Men or it could be like a, <laughs> a Chippendale <laughs> squad. Oh, God. No, I, I think that would be a very unfortunate name for a progressive company. For <laughs> Works for Rise Women. I'm not sure about Rise. Exactly. Rise Men. She's another one of these uh, people who, um, you know, studied assiduously as a teenager, got into law school, ended up in a legal profession, working from 7 o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night and found out that she absolutely, her world was falling apart. She absolutely hated it and it was and it was running her into the ground and she needed some change. And in that time that she was in law, she went through a divorce. Um, she has two kids, ended up coming to a realisation, I think, that, um, you know, there was more to life and that she should lead her own ch the change in her own life and i and rise women was that change yes and it came about quite by accident it's just being as you keep going on about it's just being at the right place at the right time the luck factor the luck factor i think uh, i think you make your own luck luck she was certainly tuned in to creating change in her life and sure she was um she was able to pick up on the opportunities and she's now in partnership with another lovely lady uh she'll tell us more about it but we'll talk to her about all manner of things absolutely so life life strife and wife no let's just get her in george okay i think let's... enough of your i'll go get her okay Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. I just wanted to give listeners a, a, an idea of um, like how we're connected to each other. So yeah. I'm gonna, Brett doesn't really know. I mean, you do know. You, 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 you two spoke at my birthday, didn't Very you? briefly. Briefly, but, yeah. and I walked behind you. I think it was during the, the hike. Yeah, I w and I walked behind you on the hike for a while, and then then I took off because I'm super fit. <laughs> I just wanted. I was admiring the fauna. That's what I was doing. The flora, the flora. The flora and no, the not really. Fauna? I was just pacing myself because I've never hiked like that before. Were you were you sore the next day? Um, not as sore as I thought I'd be, and mm. not where I thought I'd be. 
It was very centralised, right on my calves. That was it. Mm, that's where I was. Um, and my ego was a bit sore because I thought bruised. I'd do it faster. <laughs> but it was all right. I'm surprised I survived. Yeah, the 75-year-old chap walked past us both. Oh, did you see that? Oh, my goodness. And I had sore buttocks. Mother. Tell us about. <laughs> tell us oh, about your screeching voice. Oh, you better edit that out fast. Uh, is she gonna listen to this? Do you think? A hundred percent. Oh no! So we're tell us about the screeching mother then. Oh, tell sorry. Us about, no, let me. Let sorry, me Marie. That. You know I love you. Tell, tell, tell us about your mother. My mother's awesome. Yeah. My mother is tough. She looks compact. Mm -hmm. She's little, but she's a pocket rocket. Yeah. Um, she's my inspiration for a lot of things All because right. I model a lot of how I react to certain, certain situations off her. Um, I think she's been very resilient over the years. Did, so where did, what, what, what area did you grow up in? Sydney, right? But yeah, yeah in Lakemba. And so what was it like being a Greek girl growing up in Lakemba in the 70s? Uh, yeah, I'd like to say the 90s, well, 80s, but it was the 70s. 80s. Yeah, I was born in 76, it's out there. Um, <laughs> 70s and 80s, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, it was fun. It was easy. There wasn't much going on. It was just like a standard suburban, come home from school, ride your bike down the street, you'd come home when your parents called out. It was mm. just a very easy childhood. So you, didn't, of fun. you didn't suffer the, you know, uh, the wog girl thing much? Which one? Well, you know, like growing up, like we had um, uh, a woman in recently named Lena Barich, and okay. she was a Muslim, as she said, a Muslim Arab wog girl from the suburbs, <laughs> and she had a pretty average, you know, childhood. Yeah. Her memories of the, the childhood yeah. weren't great, but it sounds like yours were, were good. Well, my early childhood was very easy because I went to... Um I went to a school that was predominantly Greek kids, so my right. parents knew all the families. It was right. um, a very easy and, and just fun upbringing. And then I went blonde. to high school. And she was blonde. Which... And I was blonde. Not always this blonde. Well, not... you were blonde, blonde with pink. I was, yeah. yeah. Um, but then I went to high school and that was a rude shock. Right. Because I went to Fort Street and it was nothing like what I ever expected. It was a really big culture shock. Right. You see, I didn't know that about you. Didn't you? That you went to Fort Street. Yeah. So a long, proud tradition within the family. Yes, there were a few of us. And mm. Terry was there as well, another well, cousin of ours. Yeah. I mean, that's quite... It's like, you know, it's a selective school, mm. so it's yeah. quite... That's because I was a quite nerd. quite an honour, right? I was a nerd. You were a nerd. I was very committed to my studies, and I had to be the best That's, but I went that, from a school where I was always top because I pushed myself so hard do you think, to a school where everyone was top I went to a I went to a special mm. school too a special school no, well, you make it sound I, I, like we should be driving there, a yellow bus don't get because there's a joke looming there's a <laughs> you can only be sent there by a judge <laughs> you know, I, why do you, Am I becoming it actually doesn't surprise me <laughs> no I did I went to a selective school where were you at it was uh, carrying bar high. Right. But it wasn't selective when I was there, but it became <laughs> selective when I left. Yeah. Oh. They thought we're not letting any more like him in <laughs> again. So, so, so we, 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 no, yeah, your yeah. mother, like, what drove you to be um, so studious? Uh, was it your mum? Was it the environment you were in? Or it was just you? I think what? it was a bit of both. My parents were always very encouraging and very. Um, supportive maybe not pushy but it was just I think that kind of old school Greek mentality that they came here 
and it's one of those stories where my dad especially just came here with nothing mm. and my mum came over with her family at a much younger age and was educated here to a certain extent. Um, and they were just very strong on, you make sure you get your education because it's so important and it will open up doors for you that we never had. Mm. And I think that was just embedded in me from a very young age. So I just knew that if I wanted to make anything, I just had to work hard and study. Well, you did work hard and study. I, I mean, did. you went to a school where you were bottom of the, the bottom rung of the ladder, but you worked your way up. You got into law school. I did. Early, early. But you're not a lawyer. No. Now, tell us. I didn't tell really like it. I, I studied law um, and worked in the industry from 18. My first job was as like a male clerk at, you know, Commonwealth Bank Legal. Female clerk, I'd say. Yeah, no, male, M-A-I-L. Oh. <laughs> the other male. <laughs> okay. You can see I was at the top of the a class. A female male clerk. I was a female male George clerk. George went to a really bright school as well. <laughs> Where'd you go, George? The judge threw away the keys, I think. <laughs> so let's just let's go back a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Brothers and sisters? Yes. I have a brother who's about four years younger and a sister who's 15 and a half years younger. My God. Yeah. So what, your Mistake. parents had a second burst or? Accident. Surprise, we call surprise. it a surprise in the family. Probably the best thing that ever happened to our family because she sort of um, just renewed everything. My parents, rather than having two kids who would go off and grow older and move out and all that, had a third one coming along, so I think it kept them very kept them young. Kept young, yeah, right. Yeah, and she's just, it, it's an amazing dynamic because I spent the first... 10 years of my life having her like my child because my mum went back to work. Right. Um, and my brother and I were very instrumental in bringing her up and uh, the whole family really. And then there, something changed and all of a sudden she became a woman and we became best friends. So what did, uh, what did your mum and dad do? Like say so your mum went back to work? Yep. So my mum's done a whole bunch of stuff but primarily it's been retail ever since she was young. Right. Um, <coughs> and my dad had a truck so he did like rubbish removals and had his own business. He was self-employed. But they did what they had to do to put the kids through school and, and feed them, and you know, yeah. and they did a wonderful they and did a wonderful worked. job. But I wanted to ask you, um, there's reading your your profile, and there's some there's some personal stuff in there. Yeah, you're obviously not you're, you're not uncomfortable talking about you know the way life panned out for you no, since I'll talk leaving about school. Anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get to what you're doing at the moment because that's actually quite exciting, and and mm. um, you know, and that's yeah. a massive change for you in many respects that yeah. the goal is a big hairy ass goal which you'll explain later and and um yeah it's yep. all exciting but you know having known you for a number of years you, you kind of look like you were going to go down this very um be, i can say this because i i yeah. haven't you know I, do, I can hear it before you're saying yes it. Go on. a very conservative mainstream mainstream mun, mundane to yeah. me because you know it's routine is an anathema to me i like i like yeah. the um, nimbleness of being an entrepreneur but the idea of having that nine to five it wasn't nine to five it was nine to nine yeah nine pretty to much 11 tell us what transpired i mean you you finished your degree you got your degree yeah and i found that i enjoyed the work for a certain amount of time and i i think i'm not sure whether it was the work maybe i was just in the wrong area of law um, because I was doing insurance litigation, which is not really the most exciting oh, hum, side yeah. of it. Yeah, but I didn't really want to do criminal or family or anything like that where the excitement is because I, at the time I didn't think I was emotionally strong enough to have to deal with 
people in custody battles and criminals and all that sort of oh, thing. Oh, really? That actually ended your mind? Like, yeah, actually... yeah. I just thought I can't. I can't watch people fighting over their kids and I can't deal with people. I can't deal with having to try and defend people who I think might be guilty. It just never occurred to me to go down that path. Right, right. Like you said, it was just going to be mainstream. Um, and the hours got really long. And I wasn't finding much of a return, and I found that a lot of... I made so many great friends while I was working in there, but there were also a lot of people that I just didn't really like, and I didn't want to become one of them. And oh, well, you, I, is it the classic situation of staring at your seniors and, and thinking to yourself, I don't want to be like you? Yeah, I just thought that I, I could sort of see, and you talk to people, and you see what their life's path has been, and, and at a younger age, I just thought, I don't want to be there at 40 or 50 or 60. Um, but that's the way my life was going because that was the route that I decided How to How old take. were you then? I was working in law as soon as I got out of high school and started my studies mm -hmm. as the female male clerk um, <laughs> until, <laughs> until I stopped when I had waiting. my daughter. So right. I gave birth to my daughter when I was 31. Right. So a long um, time. Yeah. It wasn't like... Five years and then I'm out of here. No, you, it was stuck a long it out time. For a long time. So well, you, but then, so you've got a dogged determination, obviously. Because if you didn't, I mean, did you discover early on that you didn't like being a lawyer or doing that, or did it take a long time before you went? That's it. I can't. I think stand I always it. felt like I didn't like lawyers, and it was a bit conflicting for me because I thought I don't like lawyers, but I'm trying to be one, and I don't. Mm. I, I couldn't put the thoughts together. I couldn't consolidate it in my head. Um, but also I think once my life got a bit more serious. So as long as I was single, the lifestyle suited me just fine. Working long hours and going out for drinks afterwards and coming home really late and then getting up, having a shower, off to work again. Yeah. Um, and then I got married and there's a different level of commitment to someone else. It's, it's more than just yourself. And the hours started to creep up on me and I thought, this is not really what I want. And then I felt pregnant and just went, I don't want this lifestyle right. to have to raise children with. And I know for a lot of women it works and they can make it work, yep. uh, but it wasn't something that I wanted for myself. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I took my maternity leave and I think, I, I in my head I thought I've got a year off, but I forgot that I stopped working a month before my daughter was born. So I had to go back when she was 11 months old. So when my daughter was 11 months old, I was in Greece sitting on a Greek island, looking at my watch with the date on it, just going, I think I'm meant to be somewhere today. <laughs> so I go back really? to the house. Yeah, I was in Zakynthos. I go back to the house and I said to my cousin, can I just check my emails? And I checked and there was an email saying, aren't you meant to be back at work today? I'm like, oh, shit. Right. Wow. Sent an email. I'm so sorry. There's been a family emergency. In Greece. Yes, I had to go. I know. So they're like, all right, well, it's time to come back. And now I've just exposed myself. If any of my old bosses are listening. Um, I have to go back. Can I have another month? They're like, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. Now I already knew that I wasn't going back to it, mm. but I wanted to know that my role was still there and got back and called and had a fantastic boss who, at that time who just said to me, I have to tell you that if you're calling to say you want to come back, your position's been made redundant. But if you're calling to say that you don't want to come back, then that's fine. It's been great working with you. And I'd been there for seven years. And I said, well, in that case, I really, really want to come back. And he said to me, I'm so sorry, you've just been made redundant. It's like, score. So I just got paid not to go back to work. Fantastic. Which gave me some time off <laughs> with my child. And then on her first birthday a month later, I found out I was pregnant to the second one. I think I met you, I met you when you were 19, didn't I? Yeah, or... we met the first year of uni. We started dating the first year of uni. 
Right. No, but not you and I. We no, not date. us, but <laughs> well, I met you with? after that. That's right. Yeah, That's so right. I'd always been with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you eventually married him. Yes. And and I kind of I kind of got the feeling that he was it was a reluctant like uh, deal on his part, like you know, because for a long time you just relished the fact that he could have you as a girlfriend, but didn't want to didn't want to commit. I mean, yeah. am I allowed to go I don't there with this? Think you'll be listening, and okay. Alex, if you are high. Um, Hello, Alex. <laughs> yeah, so tell us about uh, that. Tell us about it. It was funny room. because uh, when we first met, all of uh, like he had a very good, big circle of friends and still does, uh, and they were all single. And then one by one, they'd all you know find these girlfriends and have these great relationships and get engaged and get married. And I was just sitting back watching it all happen, and it just wasn't happening for us. Right. And every wedding we'd go to, he must have caught nine garters in a row. Every wedding we'd go, really, to, he'd catch the garter, and everyone would be like, "Yeah, you're next." I'm thinking, nah. No, hold your breath. It's not going to happen. Um, and eventually it did. Yeah. And it was great. In hindsight now, considering we're separated and we have been for four years, right. um, I think, yeah, maybe he wasn't ready. But you don't ever really know that until you go through the whole process and you go, oh, now that I know better. Yeah. Um, but I think it was something that we both had to do. And I think he felt like it was time as well. And it happened, which was great. And we wouldn't have had our kids without that happening and I have no regrets it's just if I had my time over to do it all again I would do it exactly the same way so now you've got two because because there's a reason why you're here it's because of all those things everything everything that happened brought you to this point to this room right now every step that's right every step is in that direction so there was perfection in the whole thing yeah and I'd do it all again because I don't regret any of it so tell me about your two children my children are Firstly, the, the, firstly, yeah. they're giants. <laughs> they are. Victoria's very tall. How old We wear the same shoe, shoe size. She's nine and a half. And, she's, and George just turned eight. She's very tall. She's and, as tall as my mum. And they're both six foot tall. <laughs> Not just quite, huge. but they're getting there. So is dad really tall? Dad is really tall. Right. And now, a word from our sponsors. This is about the 400th take, listeners. <laughs> this is our, uh, this is our um, for a male sponsor, Mungrel Joe's. Yes, Mungrel Joe's. So, hey, Brett, what keeps you going? I'm not sure what you're implying. I don't like where your mind's going with this one, Brett, but uh, without getting personal, there are many times I need a hit, and not from a bus. What keeps me going is a steaming hot cup of coffee, and not just any coffee. Ah, you must be talking about Mungrel Joe's. Yeah, our proud sponsor. Yes, that deep, rich, tasty and fulfilling coffee that perks you up, puts lead in your pencil, makes you glisten and puts hairs on your chest. But what does it do for men? Boom, boom. (laughs) It brings out the mongrel in you. God, seriously, folks. Seriously, folks. Mungrel Joe's. That's my line. That's your line. Mungrel Joe's is the best taste experience ever it's 100 percent australian and not only is it a performance coffee it's strong and smooth like me of course george <laughs> it's the greatest coffee on earth the world's greatest coffee is it really <laughs> yes it is jump online at mongreljoes.com.au and give it a shot excuse the pun no 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 you didn't have to say that well it's you printed it on the page you're george. on you're on fire brent I am on. We fire. could have scratched that out. And just for our listeners to put put it put in a discount code, float your boat, and you will get a special discount on your first order. Remember that it's float your boat. One word. 
If you love coffee, you should try Mungle Joe's. I'm telling you, folks, aside from this great script that George wrote. <laughs> and it was so obvious you were reading it. <laughs> yes, George, it was. <laughs> anyway, listeners, Mungle Joe's, it's, it's the best. But but look, you know, you've look really you've just described a very conventional pathway in yeah. life and, and you know, like it was all going conventional and then there was this unconventional explosion. <laughs> yeah. Or this eruption of um, unconventional conventionality. I think from the outside maybe. <laughs> but not from where I was standing. Um, for me it was more gradual. I could see it coming. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it was. I, I think it's hard to know someone for that long and not see it coming. Um, and I'm glad it happened that way because it helped me prepare better. I think if it had been So you sudden, just grew apart? Then, um, yeah, there were other factors involved. But I think um, I, I feel like the catalyst was after my daughter was born, she got quite sick right. at a week old, very sick, spent a lot of time in hospital. We almost lost her. And I think there are some moments in life where people are drawn together by struggle and challenge. And there are other people who kind of internalise and, you know, not fall was, apart, but move apart. And he was an internaliser. He was, still is, doesn't like to talk much about how he's feeling. Um, and I wasn't in a good place because I was so focused on my daughter. Maybe I forgot to focus on him for a bit. And then I fell pregnant to my son and that was unexpected. We didn't, we weren't planning on having two kids. Right. That close together. So George was born. I then had two kids under two. <coughs> and the first six months were just a blur. I don't remember much. Right, right. It was just about keeping your head above water. And I think from that point on, we just sort of drifted apart and then some stuff happened and it was done. So, so you kicked him to the curve, <laughs> pushed him off the edge. Yes. And, and you moved on. I did. What did you do? So obviously your kids are older now. Yeah, and, so they were very young at the and time. And I guess we'll move into talking about the business. Yep. But uh, I was talking to George the other day and he said, you know, Anastasia's business name's fantastic. Thanks. Rise. Yes. Women, right? Mm. And George said, I'm going to register Rise Men. And I said, no, you can't do that because it sounds like a Chippendale group or something. <laughs> okay, don't because we had this issue the other day. What? You we're, we're doing a presentation for Department of Planning and Environment next week and it's a gender equity initiative so there will be men and women in the room so they've referred to our business just as rise because they said rise women it might turn a few of the men off then you know they may not want to get confidence advice from is that right to, yeah so they've referred to it as rise well, and rise jody's like, like maybe we could yeah trademark rise men and then we're like but rise could men could you imagine the the internet traffic we'd get but it all yeah viagra well, you know? yeah, yes. <laughs> like, i can so, imagine people yeah. would be confused as to what you do that's right <laughs> whereas rise women is a lot clearer yeah it's a lot clearer <laughs> yeah so we've decided rise, not to trademark rise, that name rise men nasal spray <laughs> I'm sniffing your stuff <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. We uh, we can um, do that for you <laughs> for for a small fee. <laughs> so so how did it how did Rise Women come about? 
So I had my children, obviously. I was off work for some time. Mm. I was at dancing with my daughter. And my business partner's daughter also danced there. So she spent a few weeks. She was working for a company called Neuroleadership Institute, who I also work for. Which is on here, yeah. Yeah. So she was doing a job for them, and she just kept saying, I need an assistant, I need an assistant, every week. And I'm sitting there at dance going, I need a job, I need a job. And it never occurred to us to put two and two together until someone else went, can you not hear each other? Mm. So she said, all right, let's give it a shot. So I became her assistant for a while, and we worked together really well. And then she got to a point where she said, I've been sitting on this business for years. She's wanted to start this for years. It used to be called Rise International when she did some life coaching a long time ago. And said, I really, really want to start Rise Women. So I'm resigning from Neuroleadership Institute yep. so that I can start my own business. Um, and I'm happy to do that now because I know that I can train you up to take my role in that. So that's exactly what happened. She resigned. I got given her role in Neuroleadership Institute. And then she said to me, oh, by the way, seeing as we work so well together, do you want to go partners? I'm like, I think that's a great idea because I can see a lot of um, potential in this business. Mm. Um, and that was it. We just... Just continued working on the way we did, so, and so the magic okay. happens. Well, let's go back a step. Yeah. Like what? What? And what? How did you end up in the previous organisation? How did you? Neuroleadership I mean, Institute. Yeah. So how did because you? Because like, when there? I was her assistant, I was assisting her for that job, not no, for no, Rise but, Women. But you, you just came out of a like a. Um, okay, you didn't. You you quit your law. Yeah. Legal job. Yeah. You've just come out of a divorce. How did you end up there? Um, I think like a lot of women who come out of a time off work having children, we start to devalue ourselves. And I spent a lot of time towards the end of my relationship and while I had my children very young, constantly telling myself that I wasn't good enough to get back into the workforce. Um, because you, you know that when you're out of the loop for a while, you feel like you've lost a lot of crucial information. And so my idea was to just jump back in somewhere, like jump onto the hamster wheel at a really low level, which was just PA and admining and all that sort of stuff, um, and realised or thought at the time that that was all I could do. So I didn't think that there'd be any sort of corporate role or any role that I would like to be at, at the level that I wanted to be at, that would accommodate for that. Mm. So you automatically go, I'm going right. to go in at a job level where if I don't do the filing for one day, it's not the end of the world. Mm. Um, and I think in that way, I devalued myself more because of being a new mum. And, you know, and hopefully that, that that's changing. Well, no. I think so. Apparently, Australia is one of the high, like in terms of internationally, we're one of the countries that have the highest amount of flexible roles. But, George, I, I got, I've got a question for you. You're a business owner. Yes. If, and I know this happens a lot. Mums come in and do the admin job and they've got to leave by 2 o'clock or 3 yeah. o'clock. But I know that employers get the shits if the mother's constantly going, I've got to go at 12 o'clock because my kids are sick <coughs> at school, I've got to pick them up. So that, yeah. so as an employer... Uh, look, don't, don't ask me that question. I'm a little bit different. I'm, I'm, I believe in, in objectives and outcomes. Mm. So if you achieve what you have to achieve in two hours instead of 10, I don't see the, so point. I don't see yeah. the point of staying on for 10 because... Some guy a hundred years ago said a normal work day is nine to five. I, you know, I just don't Doesn't get exist that. But I do no. think that that's still <clears throat> that's still that the feeling that that women is probably more so mums yeah. have. Oh, I can't go and do that job because if I do have to leave at twelve o'clock, because that's what and happened. With, that's what happened with JJ. Mm. 
That's mm. why she started 100 Mums, because yeah. she had a job, remember? And yep. the guy w wanted to have a meeting on a particular day and her daughter Just got sick possible. and he, he started giving her a hard time. And that would, have been, that would have been the case across the board 30 years ago, mm. but, but Anastasia has, is a prime example. To, she's a prime example of how there are opportunities when you yeah. look for them, right? Yeah. And people like JJ and, you and yourself are trying to change that in the workplace. Right. Yeah, definitely. I but, think we accommodate and we overcompensate sometimes, but we we are breaking away from that stereotypical nine to five workday because it really doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Not for women and not for men either. Mm. Um, and yeah, I might only be able to do four hours during the day, but once my kids go to bed, I'm working till two in the morning. Mm. So I'll get my eight hours in for the day mm. and my skill set is available. Um, I think a lot of women are overlooked because of that, because they don't have that flexibility. Um, but that doesn't mean that their skills have disappeared. We're so, almost diluting the pool. So being a great lawyer, them. you must have a fantastic um, partnership agreement. Uh, <laughs> well, 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 I did set it up myself. Well, I'd say um, I'd say she would have been. Firstly, let's 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 just go back a little bit. I hope. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, she was a, an amazing paper shuffler, right? But at some point, mm -hmm. something happened. Your thoughts were led you to create a bit of change. So what was that? What, I mean, there you were in an admin role, yep. just doing low-level stuff. Tell us. Um, I actually think it came from before that. The change for me was actually going back to work. And the fact that I went in at a lower level, for me, I don't feel like that was the change from a lower level. I think that was quite organic, starting in low and moving my way up was organic. I think the change for me came in my mindset um, when my daughter got sick and I can actually remember the exact moment that my brain just shifted and went, this is not the way you want to live your life. Um, she had bacterial meningitis at, I think she was a week old, just over a week old. And the doctors were saying it wasn't good. And the prognosis was, you know, she just was not well. And I remember one day her dad had gone outside to get something to eat. I'm not sure what it was. And they came in and said, oh, we can't get lines into her body for her antibiotics because her veins were so thin they couldn't get a needle in. So we're going to have to operate. So they grab the bed and they're walking out of the room and I'm just in this tears going, I don't know what's going on and I can't find my husband. And, and they're walking me down the corridor and as they're walking, they're saying to me, we're going to put a line up through here and if it hits her lungs, they could puncture and she could die. Or we could do this and if we hit her heart, it could puncture and she could die. And they gave me all these things and just went, do you understand? And I nodded and they said, sign here. And I signed and they went through the surgery doors and that was it and I remember just slumping to the ground and thinking there's something not right about this I think at that point I realized I can't really get any lower in my life than right now mm. it's only got to get better and I felt so helpless and so out of control with what was going on that I realized that I needed to make a conscious effort to make more choices in my life rather than feel like things were happening to me mm. I needed to choose what I wanted from that point onwards um, and I think a lot of that was instrumental in my relationship breaking down and um, the type of work I chose and then where I took that work I, I got to the point where I had to have more of a choice and it was that moment that made me think mm. I have no choice in what's going on right no now. Control, no control, no choice, nothing. Yeah, and I was so frazzled and I have no sense of direction like everyone knows that they walked me to this spot in the hospital at Randwick Children's Hospital and I couldn't get my way, I couldn't make my way back to the room. So I was so lost and I just thought, this is not a feeling that I want mm. ever again. 
And I felt like the only way I could ensure that was to make conscious choices. Mm. And that was the minute my mindset changed. And then everything else from there was quite organic and it flowed a lot easier. And I take it that operation was the longest couple of hours of your entire life. You know, I think it took 20 minutes. But to me, it felt like a year. Yeah, right. Um, And she came out and the doctors were all fine. And, oh, it was great. And she was fantastic. And I'm thinking, like, I'd worked myself up into this moment. And I think for me, it it was... really momentous for the doctors it was routine they do that sort of thing all the time Mm. and i don't think they realize how that shifted me Mm. um but yeah it was a big deal and i think from that point onwards my whole life changed my perspective on everything changed because i thought if i can handle that i can do anything it was full on they told us we were within an hour if you'd come in an hour later she wouldn't have made it if she was a boy apparently she wouldn't have made it apparently girls at that stage at that age are stronger than boys um it was very, very touch and go, but they kind of gave me this determination because I had these really, I mean, it's a doctor's job to tell you the worst so that yeah. you're prepared. And they did tell me the worst. And, you know, there's been a lot of brain activity and all this stuff has happened and she may never learn, she may never walk, she may never do this. And I was just like blown away. Mm. And then went, you know what? No, nah. no, nah. that's not the choice that I'm making for my child. So we took her home. She was a few weeks old. And I remember having these flashcards with letters and shapes and numbers and everything. And the poor child was like six weeks old. <laughs> and six times a day I would be holding these things up to her face. And I remember people were just going, why are you torturing her? I said, no, I will not take their diagnosis as the outcome for her life. Yeah. And I was in her face six times a day with these flashcards. And by 10 months old, this child was speaking because I was on it and I just thought, I'm making a choice for how she's going to turn out and the chances that she has in her life. Mm. My poor son, God love him, he never got a flashcard in his life. Because <laughs> by that stage, I was so over it. But then I'd be feeding him and Victoria would pop up like a little two-year-old with flashcards going, we do flashcards. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But, <laughs> but I was so determined because in my mind, it was still all very fresh. I need to make choices in my life. And so that I was take a choice. it she's super bright now. She's awesome. Yeah, right. she yeah is. just creative she is. and amazing. She's amazing. And mum's still in her face. And poor George. Yeah, yeah, with flashcards every day. And poor George. No, poor George is still having potty training at nine. Right. <laughs> no. George whipped his own nappy off one day. I think he was two and just went, I'm not wearing this anymore. This is for babies. George is like a force unto himself. Yes, you know he is. Him. He is. He is indeed. Well, but you're, you're a force unto yourself. A it's in the name. <laughs> it's a namesake. Thing, yeah. I, I, look, I'm very proud of George. He's following a proud tradition. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of Georges of giving, are all the same. Of giving females grief. <laughs> but you know, especially his mum. Yeah, especially his mum. So let, let's let's talk about then. Okay, uh, you deciding that you're not going to be an administrator anymore. You're mm-hmm. not going to do low level stuff. Yeah. Okay. How did it pan out? It was it at the dance, uh, the dance class uh, episode. Was it there that you? No, that's that where was? I discovered that I needed money. I needed a job, and at that point, I just thought my choice is to get a job. And I'll do what I have to do to work my way up the ranks. But I need to start somewhere. So you were thinking job? Yes. At that time, I was thinking job. You didn't think yourself good enough to be? No. I just needed a job. Okay. Um, and I got along with this woman really well. And we had a really because great synergy. Because you were synergy. a single mum by then? No. No? No, no. But okay. I felt like um, my husband was working very long hours. And he was making good money. And he works really hard for it. Yeah. And it's really hard when your self-esteem is low. 
to sit at home and know that someone else is carrying you financially. Um, and you'd like to be able to contribute. And even if that's just paying petrol every week or doing something, I felt I felt very devalued because I didn't feel like I was contributing. And at the time, with two very young children, you're so caught up in the rat race of every day that you don't realise that that is a con- contribution in itself. Hmm. Raising two children, Without it, keeping uh, the household organised. Now I get it and I realise it's more valuable than money. 100%. But at the time, because I wasn't paying bills and I'd gone from corporate job to no job, it was very hard to adjust to that. So I just needed a job. That was it. So what do you love about Rise Women? Oh, it's Our kind of underlying thing is just it needs to be fun. Um, we don't want to be dry and boring. We want to have an edge. We want to be bold and sexy and just tell it like it is. No fluff. We don't do, you know, doves and clouds and all that you don't sort do of... Do- air- no. grateful. Nothing. No, no, none of that. No, we don't do hashtags, blessed and all this business. <laughs> no um, it's just lit. straight down the line, practical. And I like that we're dealing with issues that everyday women face and it's authentic and it's raw. Um you know, there's no sugarcoating anything. If you're struggling, we get it because we've all struggled. Um, but we've managed to find our way out and then we struggle again and then we bring ourselves back up again and it is a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what's the vision for the company? Well, we're going to take over the world. Of course. Of course. <laughs> we haven't figured out how we're going to do that yet, one step at a time. But um, we want to make it an online baby. That's That was always our plan because yep. we want the flexibility to be able to focus on our families. And Jody's also got two, two children, yep. same age as mine. Um, and the plan for the business was always to build it up and just let it not run itself because obviously we're instrumental in how it works. But we want it to be just a seamless uh, process. And we just want to inspire women. We want to show them that we get it. Um, we think that confidence is a skill. It's not something you're born with. It's not something you're lucky to have. It's not something that just pops up one day and goes, oh, you're confident now you can do what you want. Mm. It's something that you need to train at. And an analogy that Jody uses all the time is a fitness analogy. Nobody goes to the gym and, like, runs a K on a treadmill and goes, all right, I'm fit now. It's an ongoing process, and confidence is very much the same. You need to work at it all the time. Without a doubt. Yeah, and we've got some really great practical techniques for women because... Obviously, we are women and we understand the struggles that women face. And some of them are very general techniques that everyone can use. Um, But a lot of what we focus on is helping women getting back into the workforce or who are out of work, um, starting their own business. We work with a lot of mumpreneurs and, you know, really savvy biz mums who are just like, well, I've got four kids at home and I need to make this shit happen. And they just kind of hustle and get things done and... See, there's, a, there's another term I haven't heard of. Bismums. Bismums. Okay. Um, mumpers, mumpers. So how do, they find, how do you find them or how do they find you? Um, we put ourselves out there a lot. So we do a lot of free gigs and, you know, speaking and presentations and things like that. We've built our website. We've got our Facebook page. Um, and it's been a long struggle for the last three years just trying to make it work. We had, we've published a book um, called Pumped. Pumped. Yep. which is awesome. Every time I read it, I get something new from it. It's you get pumped. Fun. I do. I really do. Um, but we've had some issues. We, you know, we built up this great website and then it wasn't exactly what we wanted in terms of its functionality. So we lost a, mo- a lot of money on that, had to start again. And then we wrote this book. Jody had this book sitting on her shelf for 10 years. And wow. again, like every woman, just went, oh, 
it's not really good enough to be published. And I read it and just went, are you kidding me? This is awesome. So we sat on it for a year and edited and re-edited and got it published, ready to kind of throw it out to the world and go, this book is fantastic. And then our publisher went bankrupt overnight, closed their doors, took our files, everything was gone. Really? Yeah. So we lost the book. And you that really. was a down period for us. And then Jodie's <clears throat> like, screw that. I'm getting my book back. She was on a mission and we did get the files back. So now it's back in um, print, which Fantastic. is great. And, yeah, and we're building an online course that women can do at their own pace from home. It'll be video-based. We've got a mini email course. There's a lot of different stuff going on. So Rise Women's going to uh, going to you're going to change the world. I yeah. Think. What That's look? What's what is the mission statement or the vision? The vision statement for Rise Women. Well, our slogan is "With confidence, anything is possible," and I think that we apply that to other people, but also to ourselves. We want a perfume brand. We want a song. We want Pink and Madonna to go. Fuck Rise Women. They're awesome. Yeah. Like we just want to be out there and people to know that. Um, if you are confident and you do develop a personal confidence program that works for you and you pick up these practical techniques, you can do anything. Well, because yeah. there are people out there who are not confident and are still doing what they want to do, um, but it's a bit more work and they know that they have to work at what they want because it is fluctuating. It's never the same. Uh, and we just think we can help people with how to get where they want to be by helping them boost their confidence. It can happen. Hence uh, the song you've chosen. I know. Number two song I, I, I thought we'd go with. Yeah. Number two song? How many choices did you... I uh, couldn't decide. You I couldn't like decide. all music. Except I don't do country music. All right. And I don't do heavy metal, but all other music I love. And it was so hard to pick a song. So this song... Yeah. ...is Rise Women to me. Yeah. Which is, which is fantastic. Which is, and why did you choose it? Run the World. Yep. It's Beyonce, because she's just Queen Bee and I love her. And Bouncy. Yeah, yeah, Bouncy. Queen Bouncy. But she, um, she's just, I think for a lot of women, she's kind of living the dream. And I'm sure she has her own issues, but she's making it work. She's a mum, you know, she's gotten to where she wants to be. She runs the show. She makes her own choices. And I love that. Um, and I think I wrote in that thing that there's one line that I just love in that song that says, boy, you know, you love it. How we're smart enough to make these millions, strong enough to bear the children, then get back to business. That's it. And that's totally what it's about. We can do it. On that note, Anastasia, it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so you much. It's Thank been you, great. Anastasia. It's been yeah, Thanks terrific. Thanks for having me. It has. And, yeah. and good luck with fun. Rise Women. Thank and you. if we can help in any way, awesome. which which hopefully this this podcast will do, we'll get out to our, our listeners. Well, they, they can they can contact us as well through, yeah, our, yes. through our website. website. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So thanks yeah. for coming in. Thanks Thank for you. having me.